Welcome to the Financial MD Show. This is the only podcast designed specifically for residents and young physicians to help you become educated on financial planning for physicians and avoid many of the common financial mistakes doctors make. Your hosts, John and Trevor, explore a different topic with each episode. John Salitro is a financial planner and certified financial education instructor. He's been working with young physicians for the better part of a decade and lectures to graduate medical programs around the country. Dr. Trevor Smith is a board-certified ophthalmologist with a full-time practice, and he has learned the ins and outs firsthand, what it takes to make smart financial decisions as a young physician. And now, here's your hosts, John and Trevor. The topic that came to my mind, which I don't think we've really delved into before, is I think people probably hear about investing in startups. So hmm. yeah. I know some about that. I figured, you know, that's something that comes up as people just, I don't know, I seem to read about it all the time, just in any kind of investing news about researching startups and ventures and tech startups and just all that kind of stuff. So I figured that should give us a good amount of conversation on that. We'll start out pretty basic and maybe get a little bit more advanced into what we know or what we've been experienced in with different things and what comes to mind and see if we can give some helpful information that would apply to people that are doing it currently or think about doing it or think about one day, maybe down the road, they'll do it. So in general, we talk about investing in terms of you put your money somewhere, hoping it'll grow, whatever, different purposes. Most people know of investing. They think of Roth IRAs or stocks or mutual funds or all these different words, which yes, basically means putting your money somewhere to grow for a purpose. And when we talk about investing in startups or small companies, um, <clears throat> most of the things that 99% of the public is invested in are publicly traded companies or funds um, through their IRAs or their 401ks or brokerage accounts or whatever. Um, but they're all typically publicly traded. And that's something we've kind of gotten into a little bit in previous episodes, or if you watch any of the didactic minute videos from um, on YouTube or Facebook, we talk about kind of basics of investing and that would be explained in there. So reference that. Um, but today we're going to talk about investing in businesses that are very small businesses, sometimes brand new businesses, um, and they're not publicly traded. So you can't go on a stock exchange and get them. And so they are technically a private transaction um, between you and this company getting shares of a company. And there's a lot of different ways and forms that this can take. And typically your money's going to be locked up for a certain amount of time. And you're hoping for drastic growth compared to, let's say you put into mutual funds or S&P 500 index fund or whatever, you're hoping for pretty steady rate of return, maybe some slight ups and downs, but long-term shooting for maybe 10% a year growth, give or take. Um, and so that's predictable. What's not predictable is when you invest in a small startup company because it's really a gamble. It could go either way. The startup company has no history. It's got a new idea sometimes, but you're putting a certain amount of money and usually there's minimums, 50,000, 100,000, whatever. So this is not necessarily geared towards residents typically, but um, a lot of 
attending physicians that we work with get to the point where they've got this cash and they're maxing out other things and they say, what are some other creative things that I can invest in? And there's tax benefits that we won't necessarily get into, um, but you'll see these called private placements or Reg D um, are these private transactions. A lot of times you do need to be an accredited investor. So making 200,000 a year plus or net worth of a million dollars or more, those are the SEC's guidelines for what is an accredited investor that can then invest in these private investments. They assume that you are knowledgeable, experienced, and savvy enough with that kind of money to both A, have the capacity to risk that, and B, you probably know a little bit about money given you've reached that point. Now, we're talking to doctors here who just because they're wealthy doesn't mean they know a lot about money, let's be honest. Um, which is why financial MD is here. But um, so that's not necessarily an all encompassing, hey, you make decent money, you must know something about investing. No. So um, when you hear things like a tech startup or you see an IPO, an IPO is basically a, a startup that got a lot of investments over the years and is finally deciding to go public. And again, that's another conversation. This is before these companies go public and you get in kind of on the early stage or you'll see things like a seed round or a um, series A, you know, these different terms that involve what phase of the business is it getting this money. When these investors invest, they get shares in the company, um, get equity, so that when eventually it gets bought out by for a billion dollars by Google or Amazon, then everybody who invested early wins big. So that's the gist of the concept. Trevor, um, what am I missing? Yeah, let me in with, for anybody who uh, that didn't make sense to, because John's kind of giving you like some different perspectives and different parts, different terminology, you're kind yes. of like adding knowledge throughout. So if that didn't all make sense to somebody and they were just following like, oh yeah, I know what that is. Oh, I know what that is. Like, <laughs> and you're about investing in a company, don't. I mean, that's not financial advice because I'm not an advisor. It's definitely not individual advice, but mm -hmm. in general, you want to understand, you know, the market that you're investing in. Uh, you want to understand the market for a startup for sure. You want to have some sort of kind of advantage to know whether something is BS or not. Yeah. Um, good ideas fail all the time in the marketplace. Like good ideas that are turned into businesses fail like all the time. Yeah. So you don't want to invest in an idea so much as you want to invest in people and the application of a good idea. So the execution and the business of the idea is what you want to invest in. Mm -hmm. So I, my favorite book on the topic, or maybe like the best, the, the best book on running a startup. And if you're trying to be the startup guy, it would probably be venture deals, which is kind of like the Bible for, for raising uh, any sort of capital uh, from like multi-million dollar companies all the way down to smaller raises. It just gives you a good understanding of what all that means. Like what are stock? What is common stock? What is preferred stock? How do you want to structure a deal? That's why it's called venture deals. It's, it's a good book. It's written by a couple like kind of Silicon Valley insider guys that wanted to educate themselves and other people on the system. They wrote a book and it's sort of just... It's, a, it's almost like a how-to manual, so it's pretty, it gets into the nitty-gritty. Um, that, that's a solid one for people looking to do raises. 
for, for people investing, I haven't done that. Um, but I know, you know, we know some people that do that. That's like their thing, you know, yeah. they pull in people like me essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hearing about things I haven't, mm-hmm. invested. I'm hearing about things and, um, yeah, you want to big picture things like how big can a company get, you know, if you're putting in 10 grand and it's going to give you 10% and then the company is going to be worth a hundred thousand dollars. So you got 10 grand for 10%. Yep. If you're just even amount, then what's that company at a hundred grand today? What's it going to be worth later when it's like successful? Cause you're ideally you're getting in really early. So if it's going to a million, you have like a potential 10 X return on your money. Now you're, now 10 X sounds incredible. And those are actually, those are actually pretty rare, yeah. even though you hear people doing like a 50 bagger or a hundred bagger or something like that. But a 10, a 10 bagger is still like ridiculous. You do that a few times with a decent amount of capital and you're going to crush it. But yeah. if you're doing it with 10,000, you know, and you get a 10 X, you're still, it's only a hundred thousand. Like that's, that's great. But like, I think a lot of people think they're going to get in on something they're going to get rich and you have to kind of look at, numbers if you can't put numbers to it then you're not investing you're just gambling yeah i think a lot of people end up gambling and they're like "Ooh, it's cool i invested in a company don't be cool be smart <laughs> like, <laughs> being cool do something do other things that are cool like get a new set of golf clubs or something yeah something. trying to be cool is how us guys get into trouble throughout most of our life <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's true in general but like yeah, yeah if you want to be cool like buy a car and buy a $40,000 Corvette and at least your downside is $40,000. Yeah. You know, plus plus repairs and maintenance. But like at least it's capped, right? Yeah. But if you if you put the money in, um it, you may end up investing more. You you could get dragged through the mud. You got your emotions. You could lose a friendship if it's a friend. So, uh when I hear about startups, I think high returns if successful low likelihood of success um there should be a limited upside that they can articulate to you long list of risks and then the emotional toll (laughs) like of that so and you're not typically in like involved in this company it's not like you're all of a sudden yeah you're just giving money partner right so you've got to be willing to a this is money that you can part with and be ready for it to be gone forever, right? Mm-hmm. That's the worst right. case scenario. Yeah, but totally likely. Right. Um, or, you know, also be ready to just invest it and not, like you said, the emotional volatility that goes into it too. Like, don't be following this company every day, yeah. seeing how they're doing or checking up. Like, right. we don't have that kind of stress in time. So, um. If this is something you wanted to get into at some point, just know, yeah, it's something, hey, I've got this completely uh, right. discretionary money that I can lose. It's five grand, 10 grand, whatever that might be for you. Um, I'm going to put it here. And if it grows, great. I'm not going to pay attention. You know, I might get updates every month or quarter, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're just the investor, that's true. Um, if you end up being a big investor, if you're taking an active role, then it does get more interesting. You can do a lot of things. You can yeah. try to get a board. Yep. Um, if you want to have control, you got to get a board seat. If you want to have like decision making that's required to be considered by the rest of the group, you got to really 
have some things in a contract and then you're like Pfizer and or Ford seat and like there's a lot of components and but if you're like just giving your time that's another way people especially doctors can invest in a company you can become mm -hmm. an advisor um, that's nice because it just costs you your time and yeah. potentially then you have the emotional component you have your own expectations mm -hmm. expectations is like a huge part of this it's like what am I going to get out of it how guaranteed is it the mm -hmm. answer is usually not much and there's no guarantee yeah <laughs> that's like business so doctors aren't used to getting into business oftentimes they're like I went to medical school and then I became a doctor and then now I get the salary and they always pay it to me and yep. uh, the only variability is how many RVUs or how much surgery I perform or patients I see and then maybe I get more or less but that's not how everything else works out you know it's usually uncertainty and doctors often tend, tend to go into medicine because they like certainty yeah uh, even though there's uncertainty in medicine there's certainty and safety in the job so right I think uh there can be a there's a lot of doctors who have gotten ripped off right mm -hmm. just in general and especially I think in investing um, not so much with financial advisors, to be honest. I think it's a lot more like people doing companies and doing raises or things that sound like a sure thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I hear about something that starts to sound like a sure thing, my first response is skepticism. Yeah. If I like it and I'm interested and it still sounds too good to be true, then my second step is research, thorough mm -hmm. vetting and investigation about something. Yep. Uh, we're not even talking about startups. I mean, again, the risk level, the likelihood of failure goes up dramatically. I'm just talking about like stocks that I'm interested in or something yeah. Yeah. or cryptocurrency or whatever. Um, I should say Bitcoin because I don't really endorse crypto in general. But uh, well, that is good. That's a lot of people talk about. Oh, I just got I heard about this crypto. I heard about this one or this one. You know what I mean? And it's that is getting as prevalent as any type of random. It is. It's terrifying. I, every time I hear it, I'm like, R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> yeah. But in that, just be ready to never, ever see it to go yeah, on. So if you're looking for tips and tricks on that, I mean, that's inventing a new cryptocurrency is just so easy to do that these things are popping up all the time. Oh, I just heard about it today. I must get in early because it's going to grow and I'll make money. Like, mm -hmm. no, for all these ones you've heard that have grown incredibly. I mean, how many dozens or hundreds have not? Oh, yeah. So it's kind of like that IPO conversation of, ooh, if I get an IPO today, it's going to have to go up, right? Not typically, honestly. Yeah, um, most go down 30 to 40%. Yep. Before they end up, and then now everything goes up, but before <laughs> they, they go back up, they usually go down for a while. That is not financial analysis right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a everything sarcasm. Goes up. Everything goes Every up. Invest in whatever you want. Well, the Fed tends to buy everything right now, so yeah, yeah, it's a That's weird time today. To be, yeah, uh, it's a weird yeah. time to be about specific investments because it's hard to not be doing well right now. Well, and Everyone, it relates to right, our conversation in a bull market. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's and the problem with that is if you just started investing in the last five years, then that's what you know, and that's gonna. Uh, influence your bias towards how you feel about the future of the market that it just always goes up we've had such a good this must be how yep. it is you know housing every, housing 
housing for sure. That's, you know, you and I've been along, alive long enough to see 2008 and nine and 10. And I've probably told this story before, but in 2012, I bought a foreclosure because they were everywhere and stuff was undervalued. And so I was just lucky enough to be looking for a house for me and my family. We bought a four bedroom in Lansing area for $150,000 um, and then sold it for 300,000 eight years later. But that's not something you can expect. And if you buy a house this year or last year, you can probably expect that that's possibly going to go down in value in the next five to 10 years. Um, so, it, you know, things cycle and just understand what goes up does often come down. Mm -hmm. um, and if we're talking about basic long-term retirement planning, you know, we base that on things typically long-term do go up, but there are ups and downs along the way. But when we talk about startups and uh, we'll talk about cryptos, like any of these things like that, that can just pop up and say, hey, invest in me, um, that doesn't mean anything. And when you're investing in IPOs, say something just is going public, you think, great, I'm getting in early. You're not getting in early. There's tens or hundreds of thousands of other investors, whether it was the employees that got some shares, the founders, the early investors, like all, they've all got shares that they're going public because they're ready to cash out. And not everything, but a good chunk, like they get together and say, okay, I'm ready to become a millionaire or like, let's go public. So that means the public gets to invest in it. They typically are selling their shares now. That's what mm -hmm. you're buying is their shares at mm -hmm. a very high price. Right. So, Somebody for you to be able to buy it so yeah yeah so that's what like the early winners already got in now that's not to say like a lot of ipos we see like start out high and spark and then come down and then maybe gradually go up if it's truly a good company but um just be ready for that and um investing in a startup early on with venture capital is even more so like that so mm -hmm. um in terms of uh uh, one other huge factor, this is in general, this is a nice general point mm -hmm. for investing in general, you want to have a specific time horizon of like what you're doing with this investment. So mm -hmm. you want to look at if I'm getting in this startup and it applies to all, but startup is nice. Um, how long am I, when am I looking at getting my money back? What's my return on investment? The time to my return on investment. That's an important factor too, when you're putting your money in, because if, if you're putting it in 10,000 and you just have the gambling attitude, well, it's gone and we'll see what I get someday. Mm -hmm. But an investor, it goes, I'm putting in 10 grand and that's whatever percentage of my net worth and, or maybe a hundred grand. And I expect to get such and such a return. And I think the chances of that happening are 25%. So when you start to invest multiple things at that level, you're putting in a hundred grand, you think 25% chance of return. You're just estimating people who are really good at estimating can do this across the board. So then you can essentially that when you give that away, it's, it's worth $25,000 to you. Yeah. Like you do the math on that for the risk level of like, okay, I just sunk 75 grand in the hole on this. I think I might get 25 back. Yeah. Uh, maybe nothing. Um, and then, back to the time horizon, you want to know how long, like, okay, how long until I get it back? And or how long do I want to be willing to let go of that $100,000? So I want, you know, this portion of my net worth to keep cycling back to me in five years, so I can make different decisions. Or, you know, this is a one year play, and I just want to like stake you and then you're going to give it back to me as soon as you have it. 
mm-hmm. or it's 10 years or 20 years. And it's like, I just want to hold this forever. Like people who buy gold, they don't really ever plan on selling it. They just want to have some percentage of their net worth and uh, a less fungible asset. Yeah. It's a hedge, so, right? Yeah. It's a hedge, right? So they have different purposes and they have different time horizons, but startups tend to be high risk, high reward. And I was, um, I'm currently doing a raise for like a Bitcoin mining thing right now. And one of the things I found is people want like a five X or higher return in three years, three to five years. Those are like the startup minded folks. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But when I learned that, I was like, you guys are going to lose all your money. Like not literally, but uh, you better have some winners because that's, those are hard to find. You know, five Xers are pretty pretty hard to find in general especially in the three to five year range you got to be talking software and my like what i'm doing is is hardware right so you're, you're buying a lot of expensive machinery so it has a different multiple but then in your portfolio maybe that goes into the more conservative range now bitcoin sounds speculative and not conservative so it's a hard it's it's hard to find an investor who thinks it's as conservative as the returns are if that makes sense Right. Um, I'm probably getting a little off track there, but I found that really interesting because I'm like, I see this as a conservative bet. You can reliably get this, but mm-hmm. it's not a startup return, but it kind yeah. of requires the emotional or mental tolerance of a startup because yeah. to the guys with money, it's expensive to start um, to, to most of the average, say like boomer kind of population. Yeah. Uh, use that affectionately not as a uh criticism <laughs> i know how that goes but that's their they have a different time horizon it's part of the reason they're like i kind of want to do a 5x in three years because i want to retire in hmm. five yeah so a lot of these guys are like oh they're doctors late in their career and they kind of want to accelerate their retirement and hmm. uh and they still want it to feel low risk i think startups feel low risk because Oh, that's a familiar concept. Oh, these young guns, they've got a great idea. They're going to triple my money. And that's not, uh, I don't know. Yeah, why do I you sh- think people think that that is safer than it is? I and I don't necessarily understand that. Love story. People are persuaded by narratives. Mm-hmm. That's why people get into these random other cryptos because mm-hmm. they sound cool. Oh, we're going to solve that problem with the blockchain. And oh, I read something about the blockchain. I think I understand that. It sounds, Sounds cool when I talk about it at my weekly coffee yeah. meeting with my friends. You know, it's like. Yep. Well, because they're a relative expert compared to the people they hang out with, right? So they make them feel smarter than they are. It's this expert bias or self-confidence that is, bias, we call it. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The less you know about something, the more you feel like you know more than you know. Mm. That's the short version of it. It's, it's basically like you go in and you take a test and you're like, Ooh, I nailed that. And it comes back and you got a D minus, you know, 68% hmm. or something. Whoa. I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's common. I would bet in investments and, and startups, especially if you get lucky with one. Do you and, think it has to do with just the psychology of maybe optimism of you kind of convince yourself that totally. Yeah. Gambling, right? Yeah. Do people have a good understanding of their odds when they place a a bet on a sports team? I bet it's a very similar place in the brain, right? It 
it was for me when I, you know, you know, my story, like I got into the crypto trading stuff in 2017 at the peak yeah. of the pool, <laughs> like an idiot, you know, like mm -hmm. it, was, and it taught me some lessons. So I, but you kind of have to learn them on your own. Like I, true. I've talked to people who are like getting into it right now. It's pretty, most things are at all time highs. Yeah. In general, not just, not just in cryptocurrencies. Yeah. So if you think you know more than the guys who are selling at all-time highs, what are the chances that you're going to do better? I mean. Yep, exactly. And it's and not you like you walk around. About yeah, it, and for most of us, 99.9% .9 of us, by the time we hear about it, it's too late. Yeah, if you, that's a good rule of thumb. It's kind of like, it's, it's a misnomer, but if you've heard about it, it's too late. Like yeah, unless you work people, at the company, it's not it's it's not inside information. Okay, mm -hmm. it's public unless you work at the company, and then it is inside information, and it's illegal, and you can't invest in it anyway. So there's no no winners here. Yeah, so conservative investing over the long term is is much much wiser. Uh, the the trick right now is you have to put your money in something or else you're like rapidly losing value from inflation. So yeah. I just think today that like the U S you loves like the CPI, right? They pull out basically everything that inflates and then they don't include it in the inflation inflation metric. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't include like housing, doesn't include cars. Uh, it doesn't include really? a number of food items. Yeah. Yeah. There's a good website on it. Um, I'll see if I can think of it, but, there's been three versions of CPI since the eighties and they just kept taking out things that were inflating. Mm -hmm. uh, Germany doesn't do that. And their year over year inflation as of, I think a month ago was 11 point something percent. Oh That's a much more honest metric than yeah. ours, which is six. Well, and six it's like, we can all feel these things. And if they put out these crap numbers, like oh, inflation's normal yeah. this year, like there's no way, like you're looking at, I mean, freaking price of steak. Right is going up and obviously gas and houses and all those other things that are obvious, but right. yeah, that's another story for another time. It's, it's one of those things where it's hard for me to understand how people can't feel like how people can't be sure that they're being lied to. Yeah. Yeah. We are all being lied to and, and the narrative is being controlled, including the math behind the reality. Right. Sure. So, that's not conspiratorial. You can just go and, and read about the changes to the CPI and what's included. It's a basket of goods is the term. Yeah. And they're not representative of living costs. Mm. And CPI is, is designed to tell us the inflation of living costs. Yeah. So that's a direct manipulation. No, on housing our... is the biggest one. And they're not including that. That's crazy to me. Mm -hmm. So... Anywho, it was nice to hear like an apples to apples. Yeah, uh, no, that's good to know. I didn't know Germany's was that way. That's a huge help and makes me think I'm not so crazy. I'm like, I feel like prices are going up everywhere, but the government oh, yeah. says they're not. If you're feeling like, like for me, it's one of my like spidey sense things is if I feel like I'm crazy, yeah, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm crazy, but let me look into it first, right? Yeah. Because yeah. that I feel like I'm crazy usually also is like, uh, it's probably fine. It's either like, it's probably fine or you should be a little worried, you know, red, that's kind of like a little red flag in your mind. Look into it and 
your mind detects those things because it's trying to protect you. Yeah. No, there's some truth to that for sure. We are built with a certain sense, you know, we're created with some, some good, uh, there are things that set us apart, but even animals, like, I feel like have some of that, you know what I mean? Like somehow dogs just inherently know when somebody's a good guy or a bad guy. <laughs> right. Right. That's I, I thought you were going to say that. Cause I was thinking the exact same thing. There's just something there of like, yeah, that's, that's yeah. a smart, smart thing. Yeah. It's, um, and I would say, you know, how can residents and doctors apply this kind of knowledge? Like whenever you're dealing with an advisor or an insurance agent or something like that. And there's like, you're starting to be like, Hmm, this seems great, but something's, this can't be right. You know? And, uh, and again, not that it can't be, um, but do some homework, talk to somebody as, you know, I mean, heck anyone listening to this, you guys can shoot us questions. If you're like, Hey, I was told about this deal or this product or whatever. What do you think? And, Mm -hmm. you know, we'd be happy to debunk stuff for doctors. There's just like so much you can add for companies and startups and things like that. Like I can speak from personal experience that it tends to just be networking, making friends in areas and talking to lots of people and mm-hmm. like listening to podcasts and, and just like throwing caution to the wind a little bit in terms of just reaching out and yeah. chatting with you or curious. True. I had a buddy in residency. He reached out to this guy who was developing like an AI algorithm for something he found interesting with, with retinal imaging. And mm-hmm. he just like reached out to the guy and then he ended up doing an internship there for a year, like kind of created a little mini like internship dream job totally. for himself. Yeah. I have been able to work with some people um, and some companies that I've really enjoyed just from reaching out or, or even doing a little bit of free work or like hopping mm-hmm. on some calls, answer some questions that it's just, it's specialty knowledge. It doesn't cost me a thing, you know, other than opportunity cost of my time. If I wanted to try to bill for it, you can do a little bit of that or, you know, just, I started out just doing stuff for free and giving away just a lot of my time. And then you build some connections and some, and friends and it's fun if you enjoy it. And that's a good form of work. And, Absolutely. and uh, yeah, so just network and, and have fun with it. And then you can learn about a company too. Like if you're looking at a startup, Yep in your knowledge base, you can tell if it's a waste of your time, it's a waste of your money. Yep. So get in there and see how you like spending your time on it and then maybe invest from there. Yeah. I don't know. 100%. But just bumbling around and trying some things, wasting your time is like the perfect way to find out you don't want to waste your money. Yep. Yeah. I think that's good. And that's how a lot of good things happen and we find opportunities and um, you know, like you said, opportunities that don't create a lot of risk because you've invested the time and the knowledge and good things don't happen overnight. I'm sorry. They just take time. Correct. And, and there's one good deal. Yeah. FOMOing into a job, FOMOing into a FOMO, meaning fear of missing out mm-hmm. FOMO to an investment or a stock or a crypto or whatever, not gonna not it's just a false understanding of the reality of, of the decision of do i invest or not it's Absolutely. it's a biased mental space yep so you step away from that do it's mm-hmm. tough and then if the price goes up that's okay mm-hmm. prices are going to go up in other things too you have to miss out on things good investors miss out on things all the time and they get into the right stock and then they sell on the way up and it keeps going up after they sell Yep. And you know, all that missing out on profits or something, but 
if their time horizon was I need that cash or I want that cash for something else, they're not missing out on anything. They're yes, that's good with their written plan. And I tell people about that all the time that talk to me about stocks or my buddies. And I'm like, Right. Oh, I wish I would have stayed in like, you cannot beat yourself up over that or you're going to lose. And if you beat that, that's going to be a part sold, of it. You sold because you were afraid and you sold at a loss and then it bounced back. Well, examine your ability to trade or, or mm-hmm. invest ever. And I mean, yeah. trading really means a specific shorter time horizon. People are terrible at trading. Yeah. Statistically, it's like 99.9% of people, you know, I think it's one in a thousand will be a profitable trader or something like that. It's, really? It's, Extremely unlikely. Yeah. So I guess that would be um, yeah. good to know. That would be accurate. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all I right. No, that was good. Yeah. I think we, as always, we came up with some good stuff. Um, I would be curious. Let's do a part two of this at some point and have Ruben on here from Washington Avenue Ventures. And I think he I was thinking to... when we first started talking about, it, I'm like, man, this is the guy. Yeah. And uh, he's going to, I feel like I gave more of a con argument and he will give much more <laughs> pro, which is perfect. That'll be a good combo. That'll be good. Yeah. The cons of startup investing and then episode two <laughs> pros. So yeah, that'll be good. All right. Cool. Super. Well, um, anything else you want to add, Trevor? No, that was great. Appreciate your time. Okay. So reminder to you guys, um, Subscribe and share this. This is how we get the knowledge and good info out. If you like stuff you've heard, please share with your colleagues and friends and buddies and family. Um, Join the Financial MD community on Facebook. Look it up and get in on there. That's where we have continued conversations from these episodes and articles are shared. Any of our other social media is going to be out there. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook um, is where we're putting out new stuff in a hurry. And then, uh, yeah, shoot us a message if a question came up. Um, If you'd like us to speak to your residency program about any of our basic financial topics, we do that as well. Um, You can message us about that. And uh, for those of you in the Detroit area, we've got our first graduating resident dinner of the season on December 15th in Royal Oak. So um, invitations will go out soon, but um, get on the website or shoot us an email if you want to know more about that. It's been fun. Uh, Again, this is John Salitro with my uh, colleague, Dr. Trevor Smith. It's been great. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks, John. Thanks for joining us for another Financial MD show. Be sure to head over to financialmd.com to get more in-depth resources on financial tips for physicians. And don't forget to join the Financial MD community group on Facebook, where physicians at all stages of their career gather to share tips and get ideas on achieving true financial success. We'll see you next time. The Financial MD show is for informational purposes only and is not an offer to invest, is not financial, tax, or legal advice. Be sure to seek financial, legal, or tax professionals when making any financial decisions. Before investing, you should make sure that any investment strategy or investment meets your individual investment needs, goals, and objectives. Financial MD makes no claims or guarantees to individual investment performance. All investing involves the risk of loss as well as the potential for gain.